Stardate 4523.7. The Defiant has somehow ended up back in time in orbit around Space Station K7. We are trying to remain incognito while the crew searches for a missing Klingon agent. However, the station is dealing with problems of its own. The episode, Trials and Tribulations. This is the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, our current mission, a five-month exploration of time travel within the Star Trek universe. If you're a regular listener to the show, welcome back. And if you're just joining us for the first time, allow me to welcome you with an enthusiastic Klingon headbutt. Mike is once again absent from the show this week. Uh, Last I heard, he just discovered the game of Chula. So please join me in wishing Mike all our best, Alan Moraine. And fingers crossed he'll be back with us for the next recording. Fear not, though, I've got another guest with us for today's podcast, and it's a brand new face, or should I say voice, to the Hit On Miss podcast. This week, we've got with us Runa. How are you doing today, Runa? Hi, I'm good. How are you, DK? I'm I'm fine, thank you for asking. How's your weekend going so far? It's going good. Yesterday was my day of cleaning and doing errands, and today is my rest day and talking Star Trek, so that'll be awesome. Oh, nice one, nice one. Well, as uh, regular listeners will know, this season we're taking a look at episodes of Star Trek that deal with time travel. We've uh, covered quite a few now, and if you check out our social media, you'll see the leaderboard as it stands. But for anyone out there who's missed an episode or would like to hear more, or maybe you missed our interview with Trek legend Fred Bronson, or the way I uh, completely bottled my appearance on Trek of Mind, you can find the rest of this season on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. So if you have the time, please check them out. So, Runa, you ready to go? I am. Great. Well, as usual, we'll be beginning the episode with a uh, a section that uh, invites our guests to share a little about their love of the show in a section we call Hailing Frequencies Open. Hailing Frequencies Open, sir. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you for agreeing to, uh, agreeing to join me on today's show, Runa. It's very much appreciated. Uh, and seeing as it's your first time on Hit or Miss... Uh, do you want a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I've been a Trekkie since fairly recently, about 2020, when the pandemic hit. A friend of mine had been trying to get me to watch forever. Oh, wow. And, and I am a science fiction geek. Um, and Trek was kind of the last big thing I hadn't wandered into, mostly because I was a little bit perturbed by all of the different treks and was unsure where to start. Um, But I guess the pandemic gave me an excuse. And then I joined the community on Twitter, which I really liked the people there. And I was like, well, if they like the things I like, I'll probably like Trek too. So I started with Star Trek Discovery because I feel like, well, I started with the Enterprise and I wasn't feeling that right away. So then my friend was like, well, why don't you try Discovery? It's newer. You might have an easier time. So I started there. I finished. Well, you know, Discovery isn't over, but I'm caught up on there. I've watched uh, TNG, DS9. I'm currently watching Voyager. I'm toward the end of season three. Um, And then after this, I'll do TOS. And then I'll try Enterprise again. So... Oh, wow. And I've watched. Yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of like yeah. dipping into each one. 
Yes. And I've watched all the TNG movies. And then I've watched Picard. And Lower Decks. Sorry, oh, there's cool. so many of them. I always forget. There is. Yeah, I can understand how when you first approach it, it must seem a little overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. There's just so much content there. Yeah. Was there a moment while watching it that you just thought, oh, this is it? Was there a particular moment that grabbed you while watching? I think. I So, so after Discovery, I started with TNG because, again, Enterprise didn't quite work, but I was told that TNG might be a better introduction. Um, and... I remember watching the episode where where Picard defends Data as a life form in Measure of a Man, and I think that's when I was like, "Okay, I'm into this." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that is was, a very good episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I liked it before that, but that's when I think I was sold right around that point. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of an on-the-spot question, but so far in Star Trek, do you have a, a favorite top, say, top three characters? Characters. Um, so my favorite show is DS9 so far, uh, just because yeah. I just like that yeah. whole atmosphere. And also, I, my non-Trek, one of my non-Trek favorites is Babylon 5, and they both have some similarities but they're very different right so i can do the show real good but characters yes. wise there's so many like i like um bashir a lot i, I really like um well, let me see on voyager i really like the doctor i like michael burnham especially season one and two burnham uh, she's kind of changing now, so I'm yeah. excited to see where that goes. Um, you know, I like um, Riker, and I've enjoyed watching him appear in Picard as well. Um, and before Strange New Worlds, yeah. my favorite captain was Picard, but I think it might be Pike now. We'll see. Yeah, Anson Mount's convinced quite a lot of people, hasn't he? He's done a bang-up job as Pike. He really has, and he has, he's sort of like uh, Picard and Cisco put together for me. Like, he can be kind of touchy-feely and fatherly, but he can also just kind of bring down the hammer and do what he needs to. So I like that combo. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, so if, if you know, hand on heart, someone asked you to name your top three characters, who would you, who would you put up there? <sighs> okay, I would pick probably um, Bashir, uh, Kira Norris, and Picard. Probably. Nice. I think I th I think pretty much everyone that we've had on the show, certainly since I joined, their favorite character, one of their favorite characters, does come down to Picard. He's such. He's just he's such a, a a great actor. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, and he's so pivotal. You know, there are so many things that involve 
things he did or things he was involved in. And then we get to see him 30 years in the future, which is unique. I think we might get that with Janeway and Chakotay a little bit given Prodigy, which I'm not caught up on, um, but not in the way we've gotten Picard, I think. Ooh. Oh, definitely. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to season three of Picard. And when you do get around to Prodigy, you're in for a treat. I think the writing on Prodigy, to say that they classed it as a kid's show, they've consistently had great writing throughout the series. I've not I've not uh, come across one episode that I class as filler as yet. So you're really in for a, a good story when you when you finally get around to watching that. Well, maybe I'll go back to it because... When it started, I think I got about five episodes in and then life got busy. So it wasn't really that I was like, okay, I'm not interested. It was more like, okay, I'll pick this up at a later point. So I do need to get back to it. What about you? Who are your favorites? I'm curious. Oh, uh, Mike's probably going to like lambast me for this i'm not sure i can i can remember this uh one of them is is picard myself uh another is spock because to me spock is star trek i'm uh, i i I, i'm not going to say how old i am but i believe i'm a little older than you so you know i kind of grew up with the original series uh and the, the character I'm gonna hold off on because I'm gonna bring him up in the hit or miss section to see what you think. And again, at this point, when Mike's doing the editing, is because I always this guy. But yes, I love this character, and everyone else probably doesn't. But yeah, my third character, I'll I'll be getting to in a little while. So, uh, so yeah. Okay, sounds good. Cool. Now, out of what you've what you have seen so far, are there any top three episodes or movies that you think, you know, that you would class as the best, or what you think represent Star Trek? Oh gosh, there's so many, um, and so many across across shows. Um, so I would definitely say, you know, Measure of Man is a good one to show the things that yeah that the Star Trek universe tries to deal with and the larger issues of sentience and what rights do people have? Because to me, that's the point of Star Trek. We're discovering these new peoples and civilizations and we're trying not to interfere, but we're also trying to learn from them and give them respect, you know? So I think that's one. Um, let yeah. me think for a minute. I think, um, okay. you know, TNG's got a lot of them. So I think my personal favorite was the two-parter for season three where we get Lacutus of Borg. Um, I think that sets the stage oh, for definitely. a lot of things and, and is very memorable. And everybody I talked to when I was watching it, because for a while I would post kind of, okay, this is what I'm watching these are my impressions. Then everybody told me, you're so lucky. We're not in the 80s because it was almost canceled. And that was almost our cliffhanger. You know, the um, the first part of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that one, um, there's one in DS9 where Kira, I think it's called Sex Skin, where Kira gets gets turned into a Cardassian and she kind of gets an adopted father. I think that's important for like understanding your enemies. Um, yeah. You were gonna say something? I was gonna say, I I, I can't remember the name of that. Uh, and I'm, you know, if, if anybody's listening in, I'm notoriously famous for my bad memory. So I do know which episode that you're talking about. I just can't remember the title of it at present. But yeah, that was yeah. a very good, uh, a very good episode. Yeah. So I mean, those. I don't know that if they would be my top three, but they would be up there. I haven't thought a lot about a, a lot about my absolute top three. I've thought about my top shows overall, and maybe I can my Star Treks. But there are so many good episodes. Oh, definitely, definitely. We're not short of uh, quality material to choose from, and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm in uh, in saying you, you mentioned earlier your favorite show is DS Nine. Yes, definitely DS Nine. Um, I think Strange New Worlds might give it a run for its money, but we'll see. I really enjoy the first season a lot. Um, Voyager has been a little bit slower for me. But I think it's about to pick up. I'm right now at the part where they introduced the Borg yeah. to the Delta Quadrant. So I think it's about to shift, which is great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I under, underwent the same impression when I first started Voyager. I think I gave up for a while. But to best, I gave up on DS9 at first, too. Uh, I didn't think that they were for me, and now DS9 is is pretty much up there. Voyager, I like it, but I don't think it's on. And anybody listening in, I'm not dissing Voyager. I still I still love Voyager. I just don't think it's on the same level as DS9. Yeah, what's I think what's happened with Voyager is that you have some standout character. Like this is again my opinion. I think there are some great things about it, but it's not hitting for me the way, at least not yet, the way TNGS9 did. And I think part of it is I'm very yeah. attached to the Doctor, maybe, and Jay, and maybe Tuvok, but the rest of the cast is a little bit detached for me, and maybe that'll change. Yeah. Yes, I mean that's understandable. Stand out. Uh, there are some standouts, as you mentioned. I mean, you know, Tuvok. I, I, Tuvok's been consistently good. The Doctor, Janeway. I, I even, and I'm, I'm probably going to get you know a verbal kicking from Mike from this, but I even towards end grew very, very attached towards Neelix. I just didn't like the interplay between Neelix and Kess. Yeah, and. You know, the episode I just watched this morning because I finally picked up my Voyager watch again this weekend after uh, I was ill for a while and then all these things happened. Anyway, it's been about four weeks and the episode I watched this morning, Kes fell in love with a man in, a, in like a colony and was going to run off 
with him. And the doctor downloaded all these new programs into his programming and ended up having a personality shift. And I, to me, it struck me as strange because, you know, before this episode, she and Neelix have consistently been shown as a couple. And that is, you know, that has its problems. But like Neelix wasn't mentioned at all. Everybody was understandably about Kess, but it was like this really hard turn. And I was like, what is happening? Did I miss a breakup? Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I was I was never a fan of that relationship. Uh I do think they work better as individual characters. I, I mean I was never completely sold on Kes, if I'm being honest. I, I I'm not sure they kinda knew what to do with her. Uh I I do think you will enjoy it more as as it goes on. Uh I've heard so, that yeah. I'm probably going to have my uh, my trip fan card revoked here, <laughs> but, but yeah, I was I was never a, a a huge fan of the cast character. I've heard that when Seven Nine comes in, the tone of the show changes. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully you'll like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have any? Out of what you have seen, do you have any favorite time travel stories sticking with our theme for the show this season? Um, I really liked, well, and I'm going to go with what's fresh. I really liked um, the Picard shift this season where they had to correct yeah. the timeline. And, of course, that whole story was about time travel. Um, so that's the one I remember the most, and I really liked it. Yeah. Especially at the beginning. Um, trying to think other time travel stories. Give me some examples to jog my memory. Uh, well, uh, I, I, again, I can't really say with regards to uh, Voyager because, again, my memory for it is terrible. DS9, we looked uh, back a couple of weeks ago with Little Green Men. Uh, Discovery, we had... Terra firma, which is we we kind of class it as time travel, even though it's a, a shift into an alternate you. I mean, next generation there was, I believe, matter of time. Just time travel, the uh, the two parter. Have you seen that one yet? Which one? Next uh, time arrow. The one. Yes. Yeah. Is that the one where I meet Guinan for the first time? And. It is, yes. Yeah. That one was wacky, but fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a... It's a favourite of mine, but I wasn't here for the episode this this season, so... uh, But, yeah, I like that one. Uh, There's there's a a real uh, Deep Space Nine is the the Visitor. uh, Oh, yes, I love... that. That is definitely one of my top three episodes. How could I forget that? That was amazing. Um, it's, and I didn't know. We, we reviewed it a couple of weeks ago, and it's still, it's still a, a, you know, it's still a gut punch at times watching that episode. It's, it's not an easy watch, but it's really good. Well, you know, I just, I finished 
When did I finish DS9? I think I finished it this past May or April. And so I probably watched The Visitor around January. And I, I remember thinking I had no idea what was coming. I was like, who is this man? What's What part is he going to play? And I remember sobbing like throughout the episode. <laughs> and I mean, it was very emotional, but the way they did it was just superb, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it really was a, an hour of a, a great hour of television. Yeah. Is there anything particularly that you're looking forward to coming up in, in track? Uh, okay. So, um, Definitely, like you said, Picard season three is at the top of my list. I'm a huge fan of Terry Metalis' yeah. work, so, um, so I really am looking forward to that. Um, Strange New Worlds, I love, um, and I can't wait for season two. I think all of those actors are very interesting and their characters are interesting. Um, I, you know, I'm continuing my Voyager watch, but I am hoping to watch and watch all of TOS prior to Strange New Worlds season two, because I want to be able to have some context before I watch season two, especially yeah. with Kirk being a part of it, you know? Um, so those are some things I'm looking forward to. I think... Yeah. One one of the things about Trek is that it's both something you look forward to and just a comfort. Like, you know you're going to see new things and explore new ideas. And to me, that's the best thing about it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, th I think, um, I mean, I think it's such a good show and it's lasted so long simply because there is something in it for everyone. Yes. And I think they have an infinite possibility of storylines. Like, for example, the Voyager storyline where they're in a completely different part of space, they can basically do anything, right? Because, you yeah. know, rules are different. So I think having a, a series like that that can kind of branch out into anything at once is great. I do wish we would get a Section 31, but I don't know. I, I've, I've never been a big fan of Section 31. I think they, they're okay in Deep Space Nine, but I'm not sure I could take a weekly show of people being, you know, Machiavellian and, and you know, filling it with subterfuge. And it, it's not something that appeals to me personally. I, I, I do get why people like it though so yeah i mean they keep back they, they keep suggesting that it's gonna happen but as time goes by uh, you know it, it seems to be stuck in development hell i also th well other thing is i think you know i am worried about that like it's hard to root for people that are nefarious right but yeah. i also think that a show like that could span all of the shows and could visit all of these universes, you know, uh, because 
they're they're a they're a group that has existed for a while and may exist who knows in the trade discoveries in now you know oh so instead of uh say having a straight narrative you would be interested in seeing uh, an anthology of sorts yes i think that's so a, that's a really good idea i never i never looked at it that way yeah that would be actually be interesting yeah, because we'd get to see kind of the, the behind the scenes. And it wouldn't have to be all the time. Like, we could have some stories set in a specific period. But we would get to see, you know, there are lots of Trek episodes where you see one side. And then later in the series or later in another series, you see the other side of things. In fact, so today is a little bit like that, where you get a different viewpoint, right? Yeah. But, I think a Section 31 show might be able to do some of that. That's a, yeah, that's a really, that's a really interesting uh, in prospect. You've, you've kind of reignited my enthusiasm for it at the moment. So, so thank you for that. Of course. <laughs> so, so uh, what we're going to do now, uh, we'll be taking a look at the episode proper. But as you know, our show's called the Hit or Miss podcast. And so each <laughs> week we bring, bring up a range of subjects from around the Trek universe and ask our guests what they think. Are they a hit to them or are they a miss and why? So are you good to go, Runa? I am. Okay. Hailing frequencies open, sir. So we're going to go to hit or miss now. And as I said, we will ask what you feel on different subjects. Okay. first one that we're going to go to ironic seen as you mentioned mentioned him earlier we're going to go with william Riker. i, I love Riker. i think he's a phyllis and i think watching his so i guess he's a hit for me but i liked watching his trajectory because i felt like in the beginning he was very brash and i mean still following picard's orders but brash and i think as tng progresses he gets a little bit more stop and think and you know kind of work through things and and we see him in picard sort of an older version of that like he comes in to help but he's got his own way of doing things so i would say hit what about you? Oh, I've I've loved uh, Jonathan Frakes as Riker for so long. I think he's a great actor. Uh, I I'll, I'll I'll be completely honest with you. I when he first appeared, maybe the first couple of seasons, I wasn't sold on him. It seemed like they were trying to shoehorn that Kirk character in to you know, gloss over the fact that Picard wasn't the same kind of captain as uh, Kirk. It's he seemed to kind of take off for me. This is going to sound incredibly superficial, but back when they gave him his beard, he seemed to mature as a character. And the writing, I thought, got better and better for Riker over time. That's uh, That's the running joke. TNG and Riker got better when he got a beard. Definitely, definitely. 
Yeah, I th- I think he's and and I'm glad to see that uh, he's also got a really good career on track and outside of track now uh, behind the camera. I mean, he's a he's a great director. On, he is. Uh, you know, when he when he first he started on the the episodes and first contact. And, uh, yeah, I th- I love seeing him, and I'm I'm so excited for the new season. It was great to see him in Picard season one. But yeah, I've got such respect for Jonathan Frakes. He's one of the he's one of the Trek actors I've yet to meet that I still really do really do want to. Same here. You know, in the last two conventions I've been to, he's come up every time on Trek panels. Like he's not in them, but the actors always address what a joy he is to work with and what a workhorse he is. So I think I think he is an inspiration to a lot of them, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I and yeah, I hope, I hope that. I mean, did you say you've not watched Lower Decks, or you have watched Lower Decks? I have watched Lower Decks. Yes. Yeah, it was great to see him in that too. Yes, it was. It was. So yeah, I'm 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 hoping uh, by the end of season three of Picard, he's still you know, as they say, alive and kicking and and living his best life. Well, and honestly, I think I really like. I don't know that everybody likes this, but I really like that Picard is going back to like a swan song for Tian. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I really. Think that'll hit at my heartstrings. Yeah, I can see a lot of people being uh, being affected by this season. So, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, that's fantastic. So it, it's that's a definite hit from both of us. So uh, on to the next one, and this one, okay. this one's actually an alien race, and you should be familiar with this one yourself. It is the Baul. Huh. Well, let me wait till the... Oh. Hmm. Was that the race on Kaminar? Can't remember. It was, yes. Yes, okay. it was. Um. Huh. Okay. So, in general, miss, but... I do like that they did that story um, because, and I hope that Discovery gets back to that in that they basically enslaved the cults and that to me is very evil. But but the Kelpians, or at least Saru, discovered that what they were saying was lies. And by the time you get to the current uh, season of discovery, you know, the Baal and the Kelpians, if I'm not mistaken, are, are kind of melded into one race, right? Yeah. Where am I? Okay. So, I mean, as they were, it was a miss, but I appreciated that story of this subjugation and this sort of, um, they were almost parasites, you know, leeching, off the Kelpians. So I kind of hope they they yeah. explore that 
and that progression more. Oh, to you, they're considered a soft miss? Yes, soft miss. Okay. Uh, what about you? You see, like, I, I kind of like them. Uh, I, I know that, you know, it's part of the raison d'etre to be portrayed as a sinister kind of presence throughout the show, especially with, you know, how they related to the Kelpians in season one. Yeah. Uh, now, what, it's a, it's a very odd thing. I mean, I like them. I like them as a, uh, as a concept. It's just that we don't really know. We still don't know to this that about them. And as I'm saying that they're, they're kind of now and in uh, season three, and well, especially as we're in season four, they're now sat on a council with the Kelpians, and it's it's a very strange sight to see these Kelpians and then these the the dark shapes of the bowels sat behind them. It's still to an extent as though they are kind of the overlords of the Kelpian. That's the image I picked up on anyway. I mean, I know it's supposed to be equal at this point, but it ju it just did seem very, you That's know? interesting. I might have to go rewatch some of that just for that. That's an interesting concept. That reminds me of... You remember in Lower Decks where they just revisited those two planets that were visited in TNG, where one planet was sort of leeching off the other? So I feel like it's oh, yes. the same story, a little bit. Not quite, but a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. It would be interesting to explore. I mean, we, we've had this this thing before. I, there's a lot of uh, imagery and there's a lot of uh, concepts in Star Trek Discovery that are really good, such as uh, Navarre, you know, the Romulan Vulcan yes. homeworld, now they've come together. It would be really nice to see a lot of these things expanded on and explored. And I think that's... Yeah. That's the problem with the Baal to such an extent that they fall into that category. And I would really like to see things like uh, how do Kelpians deal with their change now? How do they teach their 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 uh, young coming of age that this is going to happen? And do the Baal have similar things from the same planet? You know? Yeah, yeah, it would. I mean, there's there's so much law to explore if if they only get the chance. So, uh, so yeah, it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a soft hit. So it kind of balances out your soft miss. So we're kind of in the middle on the bowels. It's not one way or the other. Yeah. Right. So I'll bring up our next one, and okay. this one is another character present in both TOS and Discovery. So I'd like to know what you think of this person. And this person is Harry Mudd. Oh, he's a hit because he's so much fun to watch. You're always kind of groaning, but like sometimes you need a character just to 
get into the thick of things and make things go awry. And I just think he's so funny for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame we haven't seen him, you know, obviously since they went to the future. Did you see the short treks episode that was? Yes, I thought that the short trek was great with him. And that's why I thought we were going to get more, but we haven't yet. But no. I'd really like them like his descendant or something. Yeah. Plus, there's, also, there's always the chance that you know, worlds now it's taking place in that in that era. That's true. We could get him there. And it would be hilarious to opposite Pike or even Spock to see what what new Spock would do. Yes. Yes. Uh, when, it, when it came to the original series, uh, I did like the character. I mean, and I'm going back to when I was young. I thought he's a very affable, very jolly character. But re-watching uh, the original series, he's incredibly, he's a nasty piece of work. Uh, the first episode, I'm, I won't spoil it for you, but the first episode that he's in, Mud's Women, he's not a very pleasant character at all. But I, I, he's, I, I can't help but still love him. There are just some characters that, if you met them in real life, you wouldn't, you would not go near them. But they're fun to watch in a fictional landscape, and I think he's one of them. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I hope we see more of Rain Wilson in the role. It's did you, have, have you ever watched the uh, the animated series? Do you ever plan to watch the animated series? I do want to watch it someday, but no, I haven't yet. Yeah, the character actually turns up in an episode of that too, uh, and he's voiced by the I can't remember the guy's name. Forgive me, everyone out there. Uh, the same gentleman who played the character in the original series. And it's a pretty decent episode again. Cool. So, yeah. So that's another hit on both our parts for the character of Harry Mudd, which is... Uh, yes. We're not, doing, we're not doing bad. We're not doing bad today. Uh, the next one, with it being a, a time travel episode, obviously we're going to have to put some time travel elements in here. So the next one on a hit or miss is The Red Angel. Um, okay, so I think this is a hit for me. I really liked this storyline. I thought it was a little quick and wrapping up, but I kind of like how the Red Angel left the piece to put together at the end and how yeah. her sending back the signal was sort of the close of those first two seasons, which really felt like a, a prequel to me, a prologue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, going to, to what you said with regards to wrapping up, it did. I, I mean, I loved the mystery and I loved how it would, I loved when uh, obviously Michael took the suit. But it, as you say, it did seem to be kind of 
wrapped up with a little bow very, very quickly. And I would have liked the mystery to have been drawn out perhaps slightly longer. I, I, I love the imagery of it. I love uh, how it was first brought in. I love the the puzzle box aspect of it. It, it, it just, yeah, I, I think it was just... I'm not saying it's a completely wasted opportunity, but just slightly. I think they could have maybe, you know, drawn it out, drawn out the resolution a little longer to to make it a bit more satisfying. Yeah, I think the I think you're right. The beginning mystery was so great, and it allowed you to look into, you know, this kind of recreated background of Spock's and Michael's together. And I think it, it did a good job of that, as well as setting Discovery up for the next phase. But I wish we had gotten, you know, two or three more episodes maybe to like wrap up ending and not make it so quick. Again, yeah. Again, it's going back to that thing that we're only on. And it doesn't seem to happen really with any of the other shows that are running currently, but there is so much to explore in the Discovery universe. And because of this, I think at the time coming away, just want more of that. And again, I think it's another one of those concepts that fall into that category. I think Discovery could benefit from a few more episodes per season to flesh out things in general. Um, and maybe to have time to do some some balance, like some funnier things or some off-the-wall things that they don't really get to do. And I think that's because they have a limited amount of time, you know? And yeah. some pretty large concepts. Yeah, it's, it's something that Mike and I have talked about often, that, I mean... It, it's it's great that you have an arc, but you miss out on those interesting little character moments in those filler episodes. And yes, it's 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 nice to have a bit of whimsy every now and again, like in the uh, the Strange New Worlds one where they ended up in the uh, in Mabenga's storybook. Yes, it it and and they've they've got such a good actors in Discovery. I think it would really benefit from that. I mean, when you have, when you're reducing Sig Notaro to just a brief appearance every so often, and she, you know, she's coming out with a, a funny line, it would just be so great to see these character building moments. And I, I know we we get we get, you know, some serious moments like, uh, uh, you know, with Gray. It would be nice to have a bit of a bit of comedy in there from time to time, also. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, with regards to the Red Angel, uh, on me, it's a hit, and and you think it's a hit too, yeah? I do. Oh. I think it was great. Cool. Okay, and our next one, which is kind of ironic because we were due to discuss this originally, I believe, uh, but because of scheduling, it got altered around. But it's the episode from Picard season two, which is Assimilation. Yes. So um, let me look up real quick because I remember. Do you want me to just two. give you a, a, 
Yeah, do you want me to give yeah. you just a brief rundown? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's the episode where they just escaped from that kind of Terran Empire setting in the previous episode, and they've gone back in time uh, to to uh, they, they uh, to try and find out what caused the uh, the divergent timeline, and so obviously yeah. ended it uh, it ended with Cad trying to go and meet uh, this mysterious person who obviously, you know, spoilers, turned out to be Guinan, and it had uh, Rios in the immigration centre, and it had that nice little showdown between Jurati uh, and the Borg Queen, where Jurati was trying to, ended up having yes, to connect this was a, to her, this while was a, uh, the Borg Queen was taking over the ship. Yeah, this was this was a definite hit for me. Um, I liked the all the elements of, first of all, them going back in time, the mystery of who is he going to meet, do we know them, and then even when we knew who he was going to meet, we still wasn't we still weren't what where we were going, um, and then Rios in the immigration yeah. center was was uncomfortable but uncomfortable in a way that that is relatable i mean those are questions we are facing now and to watch him have to go through that and be questioned was was uncomfortable in a good way i can't say enough about agnes and the borg queen that whole interaction was fascinating and i think Picard season two really showed um, that actress, and forgive me, I can't remember her name right now, but the Agnes actress, her her range is just tremendous. And I think the scene episode, as well as throughout the season, really showcased that. And I enjoyed it. I remember I watched yeah. um, this episode twice um so i watched it again after it aired because i wanted to look for clues that maybe i missed and it was just fascinating both times yeah uh it's it's a definite hit for me i love this uh i love the performances i think i mean me and mike we don't exactly see eye to eye mike's never been in the, uh convinced he, he likes the concept of Picard, but the execution, I think, sometimes falls flat for him. Uh, we had we had a, we ended up having a discussion about the Gerati Borg Queen a couple of weeks ago. By the, by this point, everybody should have heard it. I'm sure it's edited down because we ended up discussing it, and it got quite heated for about thirty minutes. But uh, yeah, I I loved Picard and. I think the interplay between Annie Wershing as the Borg Queen and uh, Alison Pill. I was uh, racking my brains yes. for Gerati's. That's funny. But uh, yeah, Alison Pill. I th yeah, I thought they were fantastic, and it, I, I love how she went through all of that. And you know, by the end, Picard's asking if she's okay, and she's close to death's door. And you know, she she still refers to Picard as Mister. And I just think she's such an adorable character. Uh, uh, and I, there's, there's not one member of this cast. I can't really say a lot about Elnor because Elnor wasn't in this season that much. But uh, 
you know, all the original characters such as uh, Gerati, Rios, Rafi, I'm just... I, I think it's very difficult to not fall in love with these characters, and I may be right. I may be speaking from personal experience, and I think they do, you know, back up Patrick Stewart incredibly well. And as much as I am looking forward to season three with the Next Generation cast, I am a little sad that we're not going to get Gerati. Obviously, we're not going to get Rios. I mean, yes, we're going to get a um, you know, a bit of Rafi and Seven, and I, I, that's good. I am sad that these characters that we've kind of built up this connection to over the last couple of we're not going to see. Uh, I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity. But, yeah, this was one of the standout episodes for me of that season. I, I, I love the uh, the setup. So it's a, it's a definite hit from me. I agree, too. I think this crew was very special. And they were kind of ragtag, right? They're not an official... Starfleet crew, but they all have certain strengths and characteristics that make them unique to what they're doing and backgrounds that make them unique. And I really loved the idea, and this is kind of jumping ahead, but that acting is the right person to kind of bridge the gap between uh, the rest of the work um because she's kind of seen both sides even before she joins the work and they i feel like they did a good job of showing that yeah yeah again this this is something that we see eye to eye on but mike and i what <laughs> we're kind of at loggerheads i mean not in a bad way uh yeah I, I was intrigued at the at the prospect, and I think the setup of Gerati as the Borg Queen, I can't see it being explored personally in the series, but I think it gives a lot of potential for any expanded media, or maybe if they, they do do a Seven and Raffi spin-off, and I'm, fingers crossed I really hope they do, I think it it has a a capacity for the uh, the concept to be explored in in another, you know, in another series i i really like it and yeah this this kind of kicked the I, i'm never convinced by uh dystopias I, i'm i'm not a big fan of the terran empire stories and i as much as as tense as it was the episode preceding this in picard where they ended up in that kind of you know alternate universe that nasty future yeah. as, as tense as it was i've never been a big fan of those kind of things but this one, this, this episode, the one that followed it, completely sold me on the uh, on the idea of this season. So, yeah, this, this is a big hit for me. Well, and I feel like if they wanted to down the road, they could. We don't know how long the Agnes Queen lives, right? So they could explore her things that are set after it. Yeah. Because we definitely. don't know her her life, you know, her life expectancy. That's very true. It's, uh, it, she could still be around by Discovery's time. Because I, I don't I don't believe so far there's been any mention of the Borg in Discovery in this, uh, in this future Federation. No. But remember, they do have that big computer data system that they sent them, which could oh. contain all 
kinds of information. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It definitely really would be interesting to see explored in a future either series or, as I said to Mike, some novels or something like that. I'd I'd, I'd love to pick up on the idea again. So, yeah. so yeah, that's that's another definite hit. I, I like I like this Runa. We're seeing eye to eye on a lot of this stuff. It's it's we it's are. good. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> he's he's used to it. He he's been dealing with me for so for so long now. He's used to uh, someone disagreeing. Uh although although we're coming to the final one now and this one this one's important. So I'm interested to know your opinion on this one. Okay. So the final one in this hit or miss is a person technically and this person is Vic Fontaine. Oh, hit I love him. Like oh, when he came on, oh, when, he, <laughs> when he came on the scene, like why is it the end of DS9? Like he should have been here the whole seven years. It would have been great. This is going this is going back to my three favorite characters. This is my favorite character number three. Yes. I can see why. He just adds he almost <laughs> becomes like the unintended unintentional station counselor, right? I mean, I know we sort of get Esri yeah. at the end, but he's he sort of, people go to his bar in the holodeck when they have a problem, and he helps them out. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it, it you know, it's, it, it gives rise to my my personal favorite Trek episode of all time. It's only a paper moon. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. I wish we had more. Yeah. Maybe they need to like find his program on one of the shows and just use it. <laughs> Although I guess they might not be able to. Oh. That would be something to, yeah, yeah. But I, uh, you know, I mean, there's nothing to stop it from maybe picking it up in uh, one of the animated shows, you know, get him That's on uh, Lower Decks or Prodigy. I think that's a great idea. And I think what I've heard from panels um, discussing discovery is that the actors really want to be lower deckified. So, you know, it's it's possible they could do all kinds of things. <laughs> you know, mixing all kinds of things. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and my audience should know that for me, it's just a ultimate hit for me. Uh, you know, I grew up. And my parents listened to things like you know Sinatra and the Rat Pack, so I, the, it, Vic and his entire kind of vibe just felt like home for me. And just the fact that he was such a nice guy on top of it, I, I just, I love him. Well, and you know, DS9 being a Cardassian station before it was taken back by the Bajorans is a very, like, I love the show in the station, but it's a rougher station, right? And the people on it toil, yeah lot so it's almost this contrast between this rough and tumble space and then this holodeck program that's very dressy 
and um, kind of upscale, you know? It's really yeah. neat. It's a, it's I a wonder nice little if it, counter. I kind of hope that they, in, in now, that in Picard season three, maybe they'll play one of his songs while Worf is there. You remember how yeah. Worf was super affected and went back to him several times after Jadzia died. That would and be so a really I, nice little Easter egg, yeah. 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 You, you, God, some, someone should hire you. You've got some cr cracking <laughs> ideas for the show. Well, you know, I watch a lot of things. <laughs> Awesome. So that's that's a definite hit, yeah. And I think for the most yes. part, I think with the the one exception of the bowel, the hit or miss section this time has pretty much been a hit all the all the way through. So nice one on that. So you know, we hope you out there have liked the little window that's providing to what we think of certain aspects of the franchise. Do you agree? Disagree? Please feel free to vent your spleen at us on our social media accounts. In the meantime. We're going to take a small deep dive into this week's subject of conversation, and today we'll be taking a look at the now classic Deep Space Nine episode, Trials and Tribulations, which was first aired on November 4th, 1996, and celebrated Star Trek's 30th anniversary with Cisco and several members of the DS9 crew transported back in time to the original episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. And I didn't know they did it for the anniversary. That's really cool. Yeah, well, I mean, for an episode that celebrated the anniversary, the producers had originally considered uh, a, a few original series episodes, uh, such as, and again, these are things that you, you've yet to experience, Runa, but uh, a piece of the action and Charlie X before settling on the Tribbles classic. Now, Ira Stephen Bear initially thought DS9 would be ignored as part of the celebrations, being the middle child of the Star Trek franchise, as it were. But he was right. contacted by Rick Berman, and after discussing it with the show's writers, conceived the idea. Strangely enough, they were sat at a local pizza parlour discussing their ideas for the episode when they found out that Charlie Brill, the actor who played the role of Arne Darwin in the original episode 29 years earlier, was eating there at exactly the same time. Oh my Ira gosh. Yeah. Ira recognised him and immediately offered him the chance to reprise his role from three decades earlier. So, you know, how's that for amazing. a twist of fate? Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Bear commented that this episode was, at the time, the most expensive hour of television ever produced. And that wasn't just down to the FX techniques that have been made popular, obviously, by uh, the recent movie Forrest Gump. Not only did the Enterprise and K7 sets from the original episode have to be painstakingly recreated in every detail as best they could. Uh, I believe the company that made the grating scene in engineering had discontinued production by that point. But other than that, everything was pretty much exactly as it was. But also there were the props, the costumes... The new effects shots for the exterior scenes. I mean, remember at that point, the original series had yet to be remastered. The director, right. jo Jonathan West, he used 1960s film stock due to its uh, finer grain and color saturation, as well as using 60s lighting techniques and lenses. 
But then on top of all that, residuals had to be paid to every actor that appeared in the original episode. Wow. So yeah, yeah, that that would have been quite a quite a bill by the end of things. But uh, it's an anniversary episode and deserve to be elevated, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, additional footage. The, 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 the cool thing, additional footage shot for the original episode, but never used, was added after being found amongst the original negatives of the episode. So, uh, oh, wow. which, yeah, which goes to show that never throwing anything away sometimes is a lifesaver. There's a lesson there, kids. No. Don't come <laughs> dad. <laughs> now the original footage was remastered and it was seen as such an improvement that it is that that inspired the subsequent cleanup and re-release of the original series episodes in remastered version so we've kind of got a lot to be grateful for for this episode yeah uh, now cisco and dax's reactions to first arriving on the episode were genuine Avery Brooks and Terry Farrell weren't allowed to see the recreated Enterprise set until the filming of their character's arrival on board, with their initial reactions filmed and included in the episode. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah. that's yeah. They were just blown away. Yeah. I, I, I was... I, I'd obviously... I looked up the behind-the-scenes stuff, and I'd found that out, so I was watching for the reactions, and, yeah, it's it's... You're not disappointed when you see them, and you just say, "Oh, with noticing little things like that, you see they're just as big a bunch of geeks as the rest of us." Yeah. Now the episode is filled with little Easter egg moments, but one of my favourites is the one in which, while in the bar on K Seven, O'Brien is convinced that a lieutenant, who happens, he's called Lieutenant Freeman, uh, is Captain Kirk. The reason this is so amusing is that Freeman was played by actor and stuntman Paul Baxley, who frequently served as William Shatner's stunt double on the original series. Explain That's his... hilarious. Yeah, I love that little thing. The other hilarious thing was Julian was convinced he was his own grandpa. Oh, great grandpa. Yeah. yeah, that was like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Futurama. It, no, I haven't, but oh, I've heard this. Yeah, there there are flashbacks to a certain episode of Futurama, and you know, it's instantly inside. There's a squeal of terror going on when when Julian started talking about that. <laughs> and finally, I mean, it's nothing to do with the production of the episode per se, but I do like the symmetry in which during the episode, Dax is obviously a fangirl for Spock. And then years yeah. later, Terry Farrell marries Adam Nimoy, in essence, becoming Spock's daughter-in-law. Oh, I didn't know they were married. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've been married for a few years now. Oh, wow. That's really neat. Yeah. That's, that's I love really, that. Yeah. yeah. That's a cool little Easter egg. You know that's what was right. interesting to me? I didn't catch this the first time around. But I rewatched the episode recently. And so when when Stranger New Worlds came out, there was a big fuss over Pike in the green uniform. And I didn't really understand what that was about, other than I guess Kirk wore it. And so this episode, when I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, 
there's the green shirt. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you've you've got a lot of this this kind of thing to come. Watching, it, it's it's odd really because you're kind of watching it in the correct chronological order, whereas we've well, I've put you know I've watched it kind of back to front. So it, it must be it must be cool to watch Strange New Worlds and then. So when you do go into the original series, you'll be thinking, oh, yeah. Oh, you've got a lot of cool stuff coming up, seriously. Yeah, I'm excited. Oh, nice one. Well, we'll get into the specifics of the episode in a little while. Okay. But but do you have any general impressions? I mean, I'm guessing you watched it not long ago. Is it one that you liked before coming, before, you know, you had to look at it for coming on the show? I did like it because I felt like here are these self-assured DS9 um, servicemen and women. Uh, you know, you had Cisco, Dax. Um, Dax was interesting in this episode because they had lived through that era, right? So they, yeah. for them, it was nostalgic. But for else, including Cisco, although he kind of uh, dampened his enthusiasm. Everybody else was clearly fanboying and fangirling <laughs> the whole time, except maybe Worf, but every, and maybe, um, maybe Odo, but everybody else was like freaking out. And it sort of humanized them a little bit more in that yeah. we have moments like that where we're like, oh my God, that person i've read his books or i've watched his shows or you know yeah do that it's cool yeah. to see our characters do that definitely I, I do like the fact that you know odo normally such a hard ass and he's just completely yeah. enamored with this tribble right and he's holding all of them and Worf's like you get away from me yeah <laughs> okay so you know what we'll do. I bought a triple in uh, Chicago this year. Oh, did and, you? Yeah, and I've got. I should have brought it out for this, but it's somewhere in the other room. Uh, oh, but right. it like makes little triple in the woods noises. That's oh, I'm 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 dying to try and find one of those. I've got you know a regular triple, but I, I've been looking for one of those with the uh, the noises. And I know you can get them, but getting them over in in Europe. It's a much harder prospect. So, oh, envious, envious. What we'll do now, we'll look at the elements that made the show and see what our thoughts are. We might okay. jump ahead or backwards as different things come up. I mean, you know, it is a time travel show, so, you know, come on. But we'll roughly try and look at different departments as we go. And uh, first up is writing. And I've, I've got to say, I mean... I, I've got a lot of notes. I've made a lot of notes, but in general, I've you know, it's a tight script. It manages to pack a regular plot in. I mean, although it is kind of quickly forgotten, although you you are kind of too busy indulging in fan service at that point, but it never feels yeah. as though it's disregarded. It's got lots of beautiful, funny little character moments. It feels <sighs> longer than it is, but in a good way. Yeah. It feels like they've packed so much into it that. You know, you, you're wondering how, how this is just 44, 45 minutes of television. And you know what? It's almost jarring 
when they come back to the present several times when Cisco's talking to the investigators, you're like, oh, wait, he is telling the story, you know, in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's really, I think, it, I thought it was funny how they, they were called the Dharma and Luxley, who was supposed yeah. to kind of uh, play Mulder and Skull from the X-Files at that time. And Interesting. Uh, there. You get the sense that it's, they are slightly bored, but they're trying to do their jobs. Yeah. Yes, definitely. It's like, oh God, we we we. It's just a nine to five for them, and everyone else is just like, what? Yeah. Everyone else is like, man, you don't get to experience. You don't understand. And it's it's and I love the little the the little notes that they've got where you know Cisco brings up Kirk, and one of the agents goes, "Kirk, we've got seventeen you know discrepancies on a file of him." I just love the the whole the little you know lines that are scattered through uh, the ship. I, you know, they bring up off smells of lilac, and. Uh, oh, yeah. The other one where, uh, where uh, again, you'll you'll not be familiar with it, but the the doctor, uh, McCoy, with hands like a circle yeah. to Dax, uh, had a great uh, one of his, you know, one of his kind of catchphrase kind of things is, "I'm a doctor, not a such as a doctor, nor a bricklayer, doctor, not a you know." Yeah. All kinds of things. I do like how in uh, this uh, episode, and you know they discover the different uniform colours and how they've swapped, and they say to Bashir, "Don't you know that?" And Bashir goes, "I'm a doctor, not a historian." Uh huh. And it works because it's a callback. Yes. What What was interesting to me, and yeah, I, maybe I, you can I explain this. What was interesting was, as a, as a person who's not who's not watched, I was confused that Dax put on a red scant instead of a blue or teal, well, bluish scant, because as science officer, she's usually in blue, right? Yeah. Do you know? I've never. It, I. It never cropped for that. Maybe I'm not sure why that happened. Maybe Terry Terry Farrell or Dax the character just thought they looked bad. I think when it comes to uh the series, obviously the most prominent character, female character in that show was Ahura, who dressed in red. So maybe they were trying to do that as a callback. And possibly there's also the chance that the uh yeah, the the character that uh, O'Brien and Bashir encounter in the lift, she's obviously dressed in blue, so maybe they were just trying to make, you know, Dax as a character stand apart from from that character. I mean, I, I 
I honestly never picked up on that fact until you just brought it up. I mean, you know, there's there's a whole audience out there going now saying, "Oh God, this guy's trekkie card is revoked." But yeah, it was. <laughs> I never took it. Maybe there is someone out there that knows exactly why. Uh, or maybe maybe she needed to I, be close to operations. But I don't know why. It's 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 entirely possible. Uh I mean, when it comes to communications, communicate. Have we had a communications officer on board any kind of ships since since Ahura? Is that is is that considered? Well, it's not considered command, is it? That's a very. It's a very interesting I mean, thing. I'm not sure. For, you know, where, I mean, where that falls. Yeah, usually it's an ensign on the bridge, right? Henson. Yeah. It was very blatant. So she comes out in the red and she looks great. And they all stare at her because they know she looks great. But it's juxtaposed with Julian coming out in the blue and everybody else coming out. And he's asking Miles and Cisco why their colors are switched. And they explain it to him. So that's why I was like, wait, why is she not in blue? Yeah, Mike. If Mike were here, Mike will probably be able to answer that because the guy's an Wikipedia. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point. I, I honestly, I, I didn't know it, and I, I didn't pick up on it until you just brought it up. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, did you did you notice anything else about the uh, the writing? Hmm. I really liked the little um, quips about why are these Klingons different than Worf? And Worf goes, I can't talk about it. I thought that was really clever. That was a very Klingon response. Yeah, they, um, it was, yes. I mean, you know, at this point, we've not had uh, the Enterprise storyline. I don't think you'll have reached that point, but the, it, 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 it does end up coming up in, a, I think it's season four of Enterprise, where it augments, and I think the storyline was Affliction. But the, it does okay. come up, and it is explained why. Some, some people would say it's kind of explained unnecessarily, because at this point, Worf... You know, Worf saying we do not discuss it. We don't like to talk about it. That's that's kind of all you need, really. It's just hand waved away at that point. Everybody knows it's obviously through, you know, advances in prosthetics and things since that '60s show. But I do like the fact that uh, they're looking for Klingons, and they point out that they're sat in a bar full of Klingons, and they're all going where? And you know, it looks round, and all the Klingons are actually sat there. But my question is for you. So, my question is, didn't Enterprise take place before TOS? Or no? It did. Yes. It it, it does explain it. It's again it, it, it so by, it's something that didn't so necessarily, ne necessarily need to be explained. Oh got it. Okay. Yeah, it it's they they do go into it, and depending how you view the enterprise, you might you might come away thinking, oh, okay, 
it, that explains or you might come away just groaning. It it depends on your your point of view on on whether it's one of those things that needs to be one of those holes that need to be filled in, if if you know what I mean. No, yeah, I know what you mean, and I but I just think that line was super clever and funny because even not having watched TOS, oh exactly, I knew what that was about. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of breaking. I do like the wall. fact that. Yeah, yeah, and again, again, it's it's a the celebration. Anybody that's kind of watched it from the beginning, from the original series, you know, already kind of kind of know why in universe these these characters have bridges. So this was all you needed. This little comment that hand waved the situation away. So and it did yeah. it in a humorous aspect, and I like it. And I also like the fact that you know, in the best episodes of Star Trek, the ideal way of you know pretending that you're a race other than what you are by hiding anything you've got on your forehead is just put a hat on. Yeah, that was funny that no one questioned Worf or Odo, given that they were probably different from what they see they'd seen before. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's 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 got other it's 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 packed to the brim I, with with Easter eggs like you know, Cisco forgetting that he actually has to use a communication that he's trying to tap the insignia on his shirt. Yeah. And, and when then, it comes to uh, when they get on the trying elevator. to operate the lift. Yes. 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 <laughs> and, yeah. I, I Again, th throughout the series, you know, O'Brien Bashir were a really good good double that we had that little kind of farcical moment where the uh, the crew member walks in and tells Bashir that his flaps open and yeah. O'Brien's kind of looking at Bashir's flies <laughs> until she mm -hmm. points out that it's on his tricorder and then we, you know we get the whole Bashir freaking out on the uh, the predest predestination paradox and then yeah. you know they get in touch with them from the ship and asking him if the you know are you ready for transport and O'Brien's just are we ever? Because he's just he's just mm -hmm. fed up of the whole freak out that Bashir's going through. He Miles is just over it. And the point where they're they're doing their, their jobs. And Julian's like, What are you doing? And he's like, I can't figure out all these wires, they're all crisscrossed. And Julian's like, That sounds like your work anyway. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's full of these these awesome little moments. It's like when it's 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 packed with Easter eggs, and and you know for such as where where they're at the console, Cisco and Dax and Kirk and Spock, Spock coming past, and uh, Dax is just completely fangirling over over Spock, and Cisco's coming. Let's go. Yeah, and. Um, then there's that weird point about the Klingons trying to eradicate the Tribbles. Joke about Sorry. do Klingons tell, tell stories 
about their glory over the Tribbles. Yeah, that was, it's a, it's a, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of horrific at the same time. It's a, it's an interesting little moment because you know we all see Tribbles as these cute little, yeah, maybe annoying furry little creatures. But then Worf goes into detail about this great tribble hunt where they just went out and performed, you know, in essence, Genoc a genocide on these creatures. And honestly, it made me think about the end of the episode a little. Can I talk about that at all? Yeah, of course. Okay, so at the end, you see that there are tribbles in DS9. And so that makes you wonder... I mean, it was a play for laughs, but how did they get rid of them? <laughs> well, that's well, that's it. To me, this is kind of a... They've reintroduced Tribbles to the Star Trek universe as it was, as it was because right. obviously from the way Worf was talking, they were all wiped out. Now DS9's full of them. So, I mean, yeah, as you say, it's a joke. It's a bit of a throwaway. Uh, at the end, but and 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 if you really think you are trying to think, how are they going to get rid of all these tribbles and what are they going to do? But uh, but yeah, in essence, they've kind of Worf's kind of partly responsible for bringing the tribbles back to the universe, right? Hmm. It sort of reminds me of the dropped plot where remember where all the bugs took over the leadership in TNG. And they never talked after they got them off the Enterprise. Yes, yes. It, uh, yeah, it's again, it's another thing that was what we were saying earlier about concepts that are never expanded on, even though you would like them to be. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, unless, I mean, unless it's been explained away in some kind of, you know, spin-off media anyway. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's good things. There is there's an entire universe, and there's so much there that's ripe for people to to expand on him. Right. Which I mean, that brings us to the uh, the acting. Do you have any notes on the acting for this one? Um. Well, I think in general. They did a good job of keeping the characters true to their personalities, but thrown into this situation where they get to see some of the, their heroes. So I liked that they responded, again, looking at someone like Miles, who wants the job done but can be short-tempered. Um, they kept those consistent personalities, and I really liked that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, to me, I mean, the great performances all around, they were quite understated. I mean, considering that they were taking place, you know, in the original episode, as it were, no one tries to ham it up to complete to compete with that sixties vibe, and as a result, it, it you know it kind of works. Again, as I've said, some great scenes between O'Brien Deer, uh, and again with Elder and Wolf. Dax is great in this. Uh, I know everybody loves Jadzia. I was never sold on Jadzia completely at the time, but I absolutely adore her in this. I think she's fantastic. 
and you know the part where she brings up Lennon McCoy and says, "Oh, he had hands like a surgeon," yeah. and you're like, "Uh oh, you're getting into yeah. some you know dangerous territory here." But like, I, did I, you just, I just love the whole. They, they all seem, yeah, they they all seem to have this this can for want of a better word awe in this, and as a result. For the most part, most of them, with the exception of maybe Odo and Worf, they're they're all completely, you know, they, they they are like fans at a convention. It's 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 great to watch, but it but as you say, it never gets rid of uh, the characterization that they have yeah, as a regular, and I just think they've done a fantastic job. The other thing I loved is that Cisco is very professional throughout most of this and then at the end he has to go talk to Kirk and he tells him yes his signature on a roster page or whatever um yeah and I thought that was very sister like <laughs> he's gonna do the job first and then he's gonna get what he wants yeah I love that I love how you think everything's wrapped up and you know, saying so that was it, and Cisco goes, "Well, not quite," and and you know, then you find out he's just as big a fanboy as pretty much everyone else, and I love that. It, it, Cisco is such a great character, and he's, he's such a complex character, but I like that they gave him that moment. It would have been so easy to not to not deal with it and just have him, you know, obviously running the scans in the background on the bridge while Kirk's there. But uh, yeah, to have that little fan moment at the end, that's kind of what sold the episode for me because anybody would be like that, really. Well, and it juxtaposes like Sesco does keep mementos, right? He keeps his iconic baseball. So I like to think that somewhere he has his rock with Kirk's signature on it. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, which it's the way it's done. In essence, it's just it's it's so. I mean, we'll get we'll get to the the effects in a moment. But the direction, the direction on it's. I think Jonathan West did an amazing job. I mean, the newly shot scenes. Yeah, they fit seamlessly with with the original work, and and of those that aren't you know slotted in to existing footage, the look and feel it's. It's just spot on. It's. They it, really, I, th I think it's as an episode. It's pretty perfect. Yeah, they really did fit in the sixties, didn't they? Definitely. Definitely, and I, 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 again, uh, you, you'll you'll you've not got to it yet, but it was nice to see the ship so populated. I know they made a comment about it of how wow they really packed them in back then. But I'm thinking back in three of the original series when the budget wasn't so big and a lot of those hallways were deserted. So going back to to this, it was it was so great to just see, you know, the crew walking <laughs> up and down and so many crew members walking up and down. Yeah. That brings us to the effects. And I don't know what you think. I think there's only a slight one slight slightly wobbly scene effects wise other than that 
they're just it's just perfect i think it i think it's considering now how long ago it was the effects are incredible i really think it was perfect except for what i mentioned before every time they to the interrogators with cisco you had a mom i had a moment where i just blinked like oh yeah he's telling the story you know but other than that i really felt like it was seamless Yeah, it, it almost a kind of fairy tale aspect. The fact that he's narrating this story, it's, it does. It's, it's treated almost as a, as a fantasy, but when you look at it, 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 it kind of is. When you when you look back at the original original series, it, it does evoke a lot of nostalgia, and it gives you that. Set, well, for me, it gives you gives me that same kind of warm glow that I used to have in training a story as a child. And I like it. It gave it, and again, going back to what we were saying about how Discovery needs those whimsical type episodes, this is a prime example of that because you, you yeah. there's, I mean, obviously it's going on during the problems with the Dominion, and yet they 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 can still take time out for for an episode such as this and yes it has stakes not great stakes but it does have stakes as it were and it's just so much fun right and i liked how and this is probably more writing than effects but cisco's getting the signature was a big time no-no but as far as the guys getting in the fight at the bar with the Klingons, with the TOS Klingons, I don't think that hurt continuity as much because they can be considered nondescript crew members, you know? So I, I really liked that. Yeah. That they fit in enough for that to happen and still not affect the timeline. Yeah. It's, if anything, I, I mean, the original episode is just as fun as this one, but it is kind of yeah. disheartening now to when you watch the original episode that you don't spot, oh Miles, you don't spot Miles, uh, in the lineup where the crew are being told off. You don't see Dax and Cisco in the background when when Kirk's on the communicator. I, uh, yeah, it's, it it was really cool to be honest, to see a, a version, a cut of the original episode with those kind of scenes in the background. Yeah. And honestly, it made me think in, in like 10 years or so, when it's like, I don't know, 40 years since DS9, are they, are they going to do something similar with somebody going on the station and splicing those things together. Because I think that would be a really good tribute to either DS9 or Voyager or even TNG, you know? Yeah. It, uh, well, I mean, we, we do have that Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds crossover coming, and I can't wait to see that. But as you say, it would be, it would be great to see, you know, to see a similar thing, say... 
you know, from someone from maybe Discovery going back or something like that. No, I'm not sure it's Discovery would be able yeah. to do it. But, uh, but yeah, it would, it would be great. I mean, yes, I liked the uh, – I don't think you'll have seen it yet. I liked the Voyager celebratory episode. Uh, I'll not yeah. say why because I don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, but, th but this one is by far my favourite. And I think it's one of the all-time time classic classic episodes of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and when it comes to things like the Enterprise, this obviously this was before the remasters. So up until this point, it's never looked so good. You know, I get right. kind of miss. It sounds incredibly sad, but I do kind of get misty-eyed when when the uh, Interference on the screen clears, and the one seven zero one is there. Yeah, I imagine that's very nostalgic, and I think I'm gonna have the opposite effect when I watch the original episode. You know, I'll be like, "Hey, I saw this before." <laughs> but the yeah, <laughs> I told a friend I was doing now this. And he was like, did you do your research and watch the original episode? And I was like, no. And then I wished I had. But, you know. Oh, well, you, but you've still got it to come. So, I mean, you, you will see and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Because this time, instead of like, you know, like I was when I saw the Enterprise, this time you'll be watching it and you're going, oh, this is that scene where Odo was. Or this is, uh, you know, this is that scene where Miles was. So yeah. it, it kind of, it it will kind of, uh, it will kind of work. What, what I might do is when I get to it and I watch it, I might watch this one right after, just for fun. Yeah, yeah. We again, you'll have to uh, you'll have to let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, with I mean, I, I'm go, I'm looking at the sound design now. And it was done by Dennis McCarthy, who's obviously, you know, done a lot of the soundtracks for uh, for Star Trek throughout the years. And I think he did a great job of creating the mood of 60s Trek. He uh, he originally wanted to work from, this is what I found out, he originally wanted to work with the composer of the original episode, Jerry Fielding. But the producers wanted a new score. McCarthy complied, but he composed it with a fielding mindset in his in his work. And I love it because the mix of DS9's contemporary score mixed with some of the original series motifs throughout the episode, I really think it helps helps sell the uh, sell the episode itself. I agree. The atmosphere felt felt right. I really felt like they were in the 60s. I knew they weren't from the 60s, but it really helped to, like, cement them in there. Going back and re-watching some of my favourite episodes at the time throughout this season, it's kind of had a uh, not-so-rose-tinted spectacles effect in that I've looked back on some of the episodes and ones that I thought were fantastic, I've not enjoyed as much this time. But this episode... It still holds it up its own, and I just think it's just it's fun from beginning to end. There's a, I mean, I'm not going to say it's it's 100 percent perfect. It's the best thing of all time in in Trek, 
Uh, there are a couple of minor scenes where I think it could have been edited slightly, but I'm looking at that from a current day viewpoint. And obviously we're used to a lot faster pacing even now compared to what we were back in the nineties. But, uh, right. but yeah, I've, I just have such great fun with this episode. Well, and honestly, I think those of us who watch a lot of space-based shows, we have this idea that sometimes weird things just happen on a starship. And I think this shows that really well. Like, all of a sudden, there's this little alien cute species that just multiply. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, of course that would happen on the starship, you know? Um, Definitely. And I think Lower Decks Decks did a version of that with with the multiplying guy when he got upset. Remember that one? Yes, yeah. After, oh, God, my memory is terrible, and they only just mentioned it in the last episode. But uh, yeah, and I yeah. Well, and I just watched all of Lower Decks, which is why it's fresh for me. But like every time this guy got anxious, he would multiply, and then they figured yeah. out to get him to unmultiply. They had to make him angry, so they did that. Yeah, yeah. It's such a good show. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I mean, I've, I mean, that's in my opinion, that's I've, that's the notes I have. I mean, I've covered everything that we can within the confines of the categories that we usually have. But before we go any further, I'd just like to ask if there's anything else that you noticed or you'd like to bring up that you don't think we've touched upon, any observations that fall outside, you know, what we've looked at. Not really. I, um, there's one thing I wished. I wished we had had a little bit more Kira, especially going back. I don't think she would have fangirled as much, but it would have been cool to get a Bajoran perspective from a Bajoran who um, who had worked with Starfleet so closely, you know, and seeing um, a little bit more of what happened in the past. But I understand why they couldn't do that. You know, they had a limited time. And they wanted to stick to a, a cohesive yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess, it. you know, there's only so much you, you, you can can fit in. I mean, when it came to it, the the plot line for the Arne Darwin thing, I mean, yes, they went back to it, but it wasn't it wasn't really what you would call a prime consideration. The it was more the celebratory aspect. And uh, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's possibly why that Kira didn't have that much to do I mean it, it was nice to see her uh, but yeah yeah I can I can, I can it would have been nice to get that I mean I, I, I don't know if they did a novelization I wonder if they uh, if there was a novelization if they touched upon that if there's anybody out there that that does know that I mean obviously please let because, us know because I, 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 because I feel like she would have been like wait so you have to push this thing for the lift to go? Or she would have been like, why does engineering look like this? You know, she would have asked those questions that yeah. that characters, well, I mean, Odo doesn't know, but Odo and Worf were in the bar the whole time. But I think she would have gone to the common areas yeah. and asked these off-the-wall questions. 
Although that does bring up a good point. If I was ever on an away mission, spending the entire away mission in a bar would not be the worst thing. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so cool. What we normally do at this point is ask you your favourite character, moment, and scene from the episode. And then we'll take a look at what the hit or miss audience had to say before we give our uh, our conclusions. Is that okay? Yeah. I really liked Cisco because um, I thought he was great in this episode in like being able to go with the flow and do what was needed. But then, like like you said, we got that last moment of, oh yeah, I'm gonna get my shot to go talk to Kirk. So I really enjoyed yes. that. Yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna. I've got. I've got to be honest. We're in a complete agreement. It, my favorite, it was going to be O'Brien at first because I can I can relate to his general confusion and bemusement at the situation he finds himself in. However, by the end, I've got to give it to Cisco. I mean, I do appreciate that, like the most of us, like most of us, he'd be a fanboy of Kirk and with all the nervousness that entails. And I just love it. It's it's my two favorite captains together, and I don't think I could get any better than that. Well, and I think when you think of Cisco, he is so fond of Kirk, right? But you know he hates Picard. So that's really inter interesting to think about, that there are people he admires. It's just that Picard, for a good reason, is one he doesn't. Yeah. It, it does give a, a more human side to the character. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that he's any way, you know, portrayed as not being a human, you know, I mean, to me, the highlight of that entire series is the scenes between uh, him and Sir Lofton as Jake. Right. But it's it's just nice to see him sometimes. I always love those little moments where he's a little yeah. more relatable to me uh, and relatable as in, you know, uh, where, where, such as, you know, the episode Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, where he's enthusing about yeah. something. And... I, I just love it. I, 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 oh, my biggest regret is never meeting Avery Brooks. I just, I just love Cisco. I think he's amazing. But to see him with my other favorite Captain Kirk, it's a whole other level. Yeah. Okay. So, what's, do you have a favorite line from the, uh, from the episode? It has to be, uh, whatever line it was. I might be my own grandfather. <laughs> Just because I laughed so hard. I was like, no, Julian, no. Yeah. Oh, God. That's, I, I, I swear you have to watch Futurama. That will take on a whole new meaning, that, that, that line. My, uh, my list is so long <laughs> that I forget what's, what's all on it. Golden age for, for sci-fi fantasy fans, you know? Oh yeah, I feel like. definitely. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, my favorite line it's 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 got to be Dax, uh, the one where she says, "I remember this time. I lived in this time. It's hard not to want to be a part of it again." I mean, I don't know yes. about you or anybody in the audience, but I think that would be a temptation for many of us. Should time travel be an option, it would for me. Right. If you had a time in your life where things were very happy 
I think a lot of people would want to go back to it. Um, but that being, I think you would see it differently once you were back in it, if you got the chance, you know? Yeah, because you'd be looking at it not through rose-tinted spectacles. As, as I was saying about the episode, you'd be looking at it through contemporary vision. And yeah, with all that jaded, you know, the jaded uh, experience that comes with it. So things might not be as great as you were. But for a brief time, I'm sure, you know, you would think this is heaven. Right. Right. Okay. And uh, what about your favorite scene? My favorite scene. Um, let me think. Scene where Dax and Cisco were searching for the Tribble above the Bay Area doors, and on Kirk's. That was hilarious. Yes, I've again. I've got exactly the same thing. I've put. It's got to be Cisco and Dax in the storage compartment. I've always found the original yes. scene of Tribbles occasionally bouncing off Kirk's head hilarious. To have it established that they're being tossed down there by those two, again, it just adds another <laughs> layer to it. And I just I just find it hilarious. Yes. We seem to agree a lot. We do. We I, I like this. I like this. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> So, as I say, before we uh, we go to the uh, the conclusions, all score and score, we will take a look at uh, the audience, what the audience thinks of it, in uh, the section that we also like to call subspace communications. Incoming transmission. And as usual, okay. we asked our listeners and those on social media what they thought of the episode. Uh, we didn't again. We, we're not getting much of a response at the moment, but considering that you know there's a lot of people kind of fleeing Twitter for the hills, it's it's not surprising. But we do have we do have a a, a couple here. Uh, right, the first one we've got is Alpaca Two, who says it's such a homage to uh, the original series. I love it. Uh, Rob Birch at Rob Birch three 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 says. I think it's fun, cute, smart little throwback and celebration of Trek at its most light-hearted and absurd. But since I was never really an original series guy, it doesn't resonate for me as much as others, and that's fine. Having seen it in fairly recently in a DS9 marathon, I think the effects still hold up well too, splicing DS9 crew into the original series footage and getting the original actor in was a great touch. In my opinion, it's not DS9's finest, but I consider it its own entity, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can kind of see that because it, it, it does, you know, it does stand apart from the, uh, from where it is. If, if yeah, I, I can see that. I don't know what you I think. Agree, I agree as well. Yeah, I agree as well. It's, it's sort of a yeah. special episode that is removed from the main. So it's its own thing. But that being said, it was done really well. So I agree with Rob. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, at Mangler112 on Twitter says, I thought it was okay. I never had a deep fascination with the original series. I grew up watching Voyager. And to this day, I still haven't seen all the episodes of the original series. I do love the movies of them, though. So that's fair enough. Again, we, we seem to have a lot of people that's not really experienced the original series as yet. So, uh, 
you're going to be their champion, Runa. You know this. Yes. Well, I've heard from people that <laughs> those who didn't grow up with it struggle with it because it's so different, right? But I think yeah. it's important to watch it because it is the original. And what I've been told is sometimes have it on in the background if it's an episode that seems harder to get through because the ones that are spectacular and the characters that are spectacular are worth it, you know? So that's my plan for when I get oh, to it. Definitely. If there's an episode that's harder, I'll just have it on when I'm hours or something. <laughs> yeah, that's I think that's a good plan. I mean, a lot of people sometimes, they, you know, they actually force themselves to sit there and pay attention to it. And oftentimes that, that cannot work, especially if you're not vibing with a certain episode. And it just kind right. of puts you off the series as a whole. You're less tempted to go back. But, yeah, I think you've got a good plan there. Yeah. Uh, going back to what the audience thinks, and at House of Moak, that awesome, awesome name, uh, says, massive understatement, but for the sake of not sounding like a gushing teen girl at a One Direction concert, let's just say, and they've put a gif on saying, with someone saying, freaking loved it. Yeah, I, I agree cool. with that. And lastly, Nifty Neil at uh, 914 Neil says, I love it. I wish for a special airing of the Trouble with Tribbles that has the additions from Trials and Tribulations blended in. Oh, I'm agreement with you there, Neil. Just like you. Says the fact that for Terry Farrell, yeah, <laughs> I've, I, and I swear I've not looked at these until now. And uh, he also adds uh, the fact that uh, for Terry Farrell ended up marrying son of more handsome in person with those is too cute for words. So yeah, in general, too. most people seem to like it, even though yeah, a lot of them don't uh, haven't seen the original series so yeah so now now we know what uh, what our our audience thinks it's time to go to the uh, yeah. go to our conclusions and at this point we normally ask our guests for their overall opinion on the episode so uh, could we have your thoughts on trials and tribulations and your score out of five deltas for the episode so I loved the episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Like you said earlier, I think it was a good pause to all the the stuff going on. Um, and we got to see our characters in a different light, but consistent with their personalities. And I really liked that. And we got some pretty funny, funny circumstances, including Worf's reaction to the Tribbles. Um, and Odo's too, so I would give it a four. Ooh, four nice. out of five. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, so I'll uh, I'll give mine. Uh, it's they're usually kind of long winded, so I apologize for that. But uh, I've put a beautiful homage to Trek for its 30th anniversary. But honestly, it's so reductive to refer to it in those terms alone. It's a fantastically yeah. written and filmed episode that's not only a perfect tribute to celebrate the franchise's history, but a fun and engaging episode in its own right. Retreads in the genre often lead to a case of diminishing returns, but this episode books that trend and adds to the mythos of the significance of the story in Trek lore. There are some great 
performances in this, but that alone doesn't exemplify just how great this hour of television is. From the writing to the costuming, lighting, cinematography, everyone is giving their best. And what results is just a love letter to the show. Occasionally, the pacing feels a little pedestrian in comparison to what we're used to today. That's just my personal criticism. But that aside, I honestly can't think of a genuine complaint. A couple of weeks ago, we did take a look at another DS9 episode that at the time I thought was enjoyable, but on rewatch found it didn't hold up as well. But this is on the other end of the spectrum. It's fun without being forced. It's filled to the brim with perfect Trek moments, and it's a genuine pleasure to watch. It's the te televisual equivalent of the voyage home. It's perfectly planned, perfectly executed, and it's just a joy to watch from beginning to end. It's another jewel in the impeccable crown that is Deep Space Nine, and to me, it's one of the all-time great episodes of Trek, and I've given it four and a half out of five. Nice. Cool. So, working out the average score, that gives uh, Trials and Tribulations a score of 4.25, which puts it at number three on the, uh, on the leaderboard for Hit or Miss podcast. So, nice. uh yeah, it's a pretty well well loved episode. Uh, so yeah, there you have it, everyone. You've heard our thoughts on the show. What are yours? Anything you'd like to add or point out something you think we missed? If so, please contact us on our social media accounts or leave a comment on our YouTube channel. And as usual, if you've enjoyed the episode, please like, subscribe, and please share. We can only reach a wider audience with your help, and I tip my hat to you should you do so. And once again, if you listen to this and thought, hey, that sounds okay, and want to look back on any of our previous episodes, including the aforementioned interview with Fred Bronson, I guarantee that some of his stories, especially the ones involving Shatner, will put a smile on your face, then check out our YouTube and podcast channels where any previous episode of this season and the ones that came before it can be found. Now, in our next episode... Mike and I will be joined by Mary. We'll be taking a look at the animated series episode yesteryear. Want to see what we think? Then please join us next week for that. And if you've got any thoughts, again, on that front, let us know via our aforementioned social media. And uh, speaking of, if you consider yourself a diehard Star Trek fan and would like to appear on the show as a guest to talk about an episode next season, please do get in touch. We're always looking for fellow Trekkies to geek out about the show with, and you're more than welcome to join us in a, uh, a hopefully relaxed atmosphere and do so. I mean, we, we don't bite, do we, Runa? Nope, it was great. It was very fun, just two friends talking about Trek. Fantastic. So, exactly. So, uh, you know, please get in touch if you'd like to join us. And, obviously, speaking of excellent guests, as is the tradition now, all that's left for me to do is to uh, thank today's face of Hit or Miss uh, Star Trek, and that is Runa. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really oh, enjoyed it. Oh, fantastic. Well, as I say, thank you for uh, joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, me too. Yeah, it, Have a great day. I was, I was going to ask for the benefit of, uh, of the audience out there. Is there anything you'd like to plug while you're here? Anything you'd like to promote or anything coming up to you that you want people to know about? Anywhere they can reach you? So I would, except I just started a new Twitter to give myself a little bit of anonymity. 
Um, so I'm, you know, kind of in between given the recent changes, but I do have a Discord and I can give you guys that. So let uh, me just make sure I well, look that up real quick. Well, don't worry. Uh, if you just send it me after the show, I'll make sure to put the uh, the link in the de in the description so that anybody okay. can uh, can reach that. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Nice one. So uh, once again, allow me to uh, to extend my gratitude for agreeing to join me, and thank you to all of you out there for joining us. We hope to see you again soon. Uh, until then, have fun out there, Trekkies, and remember, we are Starfleet. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. You have been listening to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Created, produced, and edited by Michael Wilson. Additional material produced by DK. Music by Timeless Journey. More information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash timeless journey. The Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast is based on an idea by Michael Wilson and Will Templar. Follow the podcast on Twitter at HomeTrack, on Instagram at HomeStarTrekPodcast, or look for the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver Screen Hit or Miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast production, copyright 2022. Thank you for listening.